0: Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie.
1: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello everyone and welcome back to More Than a Muse. I'm Stani.
0: And I'm Sadie and thank you for being here for another episode. I'm excited to finally do this episode because I feel like we've kept rescheduling it. So know, we're finally gonna week. talk about it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean you're moving to Tennessee like literally right yes. now in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true.
0: When this episode comes out I think I'll I'll be there. That's I will have crazy. been there for a total of three days.
1: Wow.
0: Thankfully, we've been doing a lot of recording in advance, a little mm-hmm. bit more than we normally do. Yeah. But anyways.
1: <laughs> but still, obviously, pretty chaotic. When you're it's making chaotic. a cross-country move and also recording episodes.
0: Yes. I'm currently surrounded by boxes. I, I was <laughs> dumb. And last night, I packed up all my recording equipment. And then I was like, oh, of course. I actually recording today before we leave. So anyways, (laughs) we are T minus three days and we are starting our drive. So
1: have fun. Ah, (laughs) well, we're kind of jumping in the past nowhere near Tennessee for this episode. So that's true. (laughs) Other end of the country, but it's all good. (laughs) Literally across
0: an ocean. So
1: seriously, we're talking about hula dancing. Yes, which is fun because I don't know beyond like... Lilo and Stitch and yeah that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my only exposure to the Hawaiian culture. I've never been to Hawaii so.
0: I have been to Hawaii. It was it was very beautiful I guess to break down the episode. So is gonna talk a lot about like the con like the history of hula dancing and the art form in it itself but I found this really cool article that I think just the University of Hawaii did. I have it in my notes somewhere. But like talking about the hula girl image and like how tourism has impacted Hawaii and the perceptions of it. And so as I was reading it and I've actually seen like people talking about it on TikTok and things like that of like, I don't know, like the locals and the people who are from Hawaii, they don't want you there. And so don't go because like they can't they can't handle all this tourism, especially with COVID going on, you know. And and so I was like, oh, no. But it was actually it was very enlightening. And I learned a lot from the article and like learned about like, you know, like the problematic ways that it's become. I mean, like Hawaii is technically American, but like Americanized and like capitalized this notion of hula and the hula girl. And anyways, I don't want to talk about it too soon, but I'll talk about that more. It was very interesting. Yeah.
1: No, I'm excited to dive into that because actually the history has a lot of overlaps with like Western Oh yeah, and like westernization that are super interesting that I didn't know yes. before either. Mm-hmm. So cool. Okay, let's talk about it. So as you might guess, the hula dance is a religious tradition of the Pacific Islands. And I saw a lot of references that it's historically linked to Asian dancing. Um, Oh, cool. I think that would probably be, like, the way that each island was settled. Like, if it goes back Mm -hmm. to different people from the Asian continent moving to, like, the Polynesian islands and settling, they would take part of their culture there. Yeah. And then it would change. I don't know how it all works. That's, like, history of the world. I obviously don't know where everyone came from, but apparently it has some links to, like, traditional Asian dancing, like, clear, Uh clear, clear back, obviously. And then there's other dances, of course, from all of the different other Polynesian islands. So you have like Tahiti has their own dances, the Cook mm. Island, Samoa, Tonga, and New Zealand. However, the hula specifically is unique to the Hawaiian islands. So hula dancing is only Hawaiian and all of the other dances have other names. Like I know one of them is the haka. And then oh, yeah. they mm-hmm. have like the tamar and the hura. What's cool about hula is it actually is also accompanied by chants called oli or a song called melee. And it was developed by the Polynesians who originally settled in the Hawaiian Islands. And they would like dramatize or portray the words of the chanting and song in visual form. And I don't know if you ever did this. We had like a gym class session once where we learned hula dancing
0: I think so like in elementary (laughs) school yeah Uh and they
1: like had us learn some like hand motions and stuff and what's really cool about it is that there is like hand motions that represent the words in the song or chant so you like have like swaying of tree and breeze or a wave Mm -hmm. in the ocean feeling of emotions fondness and yearning which is interesting because it's kind of like a callback to like sign language in a lot of ways like the way that they use it like you're speaking with the movements that you make which is interesting to like tell the story of what's happening in the song or chant. There's also like two different dance positions. You can either do it sitting or standing. I've never seen a sitting one I don't think, but I think I the standing's think more common. But there are some dances that actually have both, so they like start out sitting and then stand and move on to the next. And there's actually like five hula genres because they have like the most ancient ones and then they have like the really modern ones and then they have all of the different spans of that. So there's technically five. And there's so much intricacy in it because they also follow what's called a strophics text format. That's like two of four lines of text set to a uniform number of beats and then they're separated into stanzas and repeated. So it's like... Poetry, almost, like, you know, of how they do it. It's, like, very meticulous in this Mm -hmm. art form. And that happens across all five genres of hula. They have all of the different, like, strophic musical elements that make it up. And this is super interesting. So, actually, you're not allowed to make mistakes in hula at all (laughs) because it's considered a major omen of bad luck. The dances were dedicated to, like, ancient Hawaiian gods and goddesses, and so mistakes Uh were believed to cause like dire consequences if you messed up but obviously if you're first learning how to dance you're gonna make mistakes so yeah. they have like a ritual protection that they put on the new hula dancers while they're learning under oh. it's like the protection of the goddess laka and it shields them from the consequences of their missteps and then once mm. they've completed it and they've learned all of the dances and everything and they're not gonna make mistakes anymore but then they um, have like a ceremony that marks their emergence into successfully learning the hula dance. Oh, cool.
0: That is Yeah, yeah. that's awesome.
1: They you know, like that's a lot of pressure that even after you're not a student anymore, like you can't mess up. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really hard. <laughs> they also have like schools specifically for hula, which always makes me think of Lilo and Stitch because you have like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like Lilo going to her little hula school. Um, but they have, like, the teacher, a leader that leads the dances, helpers that help out, and then the dancers and students. They have, like, this permission chant that they have to use in order to enter. So they, like, mm-hmm. will say the permission chant and all collectively together. And then they have to wait for the leader to respond, or the teacher. And then once they respond with their entrance chant, then they can enter the hula school and begin. hmm and then costumes are very important as well. Traditionally, hula dancers were topless. Just because, like, I mean, the female breast wasn't sexualized. And I, it's kind of weird that it is today, to be honest. But it wasn't considered anything to be ashamed or of or, like, covered. Mm-hmm. And so they would just, you know, they were topless all the time. It wasn't anything crazy. And then they also wore, like, the same kind of skirt that we're used to today with hula dancers. It's kind of like a grass skirt, but I think it's just like a different kind of plant. Or they would use like several yards of material called tapa with necklaces, bracelets, anklets, and floral leis. And oh, cool. then male dancers were in loincloths and then also had jewelry and lace. Now because of prudishness of Western travelers, <laughs> mm-hmm. they wear coconut bras, leis, and grass skirts. Yes. Yeah, or different like fabric tops and everything also wearing the lei and tapa for the dance it was believed that it would like put an aura of sacredness into the clothing and so they weren't allowed to be worn after the dance and they were offered as sacrifices to the goddess laka in the school oh. for hula dancers after so they didn't even wear most of the stuff that they wore during the dance afterwards because it had mm-hmm. to be like sacrificed and burned for the goddess
0: it was like sacred still
1: yeah And then the very origins of Hula has a lot of, like, legends around it. One Hawaiian legend says that Laka, the goddess of Hula, gave birth to the dance on an island that was a sacred place, and then after she died, her remains were hidden under the hill. Another story tells of Haiyaka, who danced to appease her fiery sister, the volcano goddess Pele. And then they believe that the source of Hula was on the island, on the shoreline, and then somehow it came to be because of that, because of the dance that she did to appease her sister. Mm-hmm. Another story is when Pele, the goddess of fire, was trying to find a home for herself running away from her sister, the goddess of the oceans. And when she finally found an island where she couldn't be touched by the waves... She danced the first dance of hula, signifying that she finally won. And that's believed to have happened at the Chain of Craters on the island of Hawaii. Uh-huh. And then a hulu master of the Hawaiian Culture Academy believes that the hula goes as far back to as what the Hawaiians call the Kumulupu, or account of how the world was made, first and foremost through the god of life and water. And he says when Kanye, who's the god of life and water... And the other gods of our creation, Lono, Ku, and Kinola Loa, created the earth, the man, and the woman. They recited incantations, which we call ole or chants, and they used their hands and moved their legs when reciting these ole. Therefore, this is the origin of the hula. So, kind of interesting, like lots of legends that surrounds it. And then, of course, all of this beautiful sacred culture got really screwed up in the 19th century. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because American Protestant missionaries arrived in 1820 onto the Hawaiian Islands and denounced the hula as a heathen dance that holded vestiges of paganism. Which is odd because paganism was nowhere near the Hawaiian Islands. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah, so very... Sad, but the Protestant missionaries were converting people like left and right, and so the royalty and nobility of Hawaii actually converted over to Christianity themselves, mm-hmm. and they were urged to ban the hula because it was so heathenous. and
0: oh my yeah.
1: I actually saw one thing that said the whole reason that they were against it is because watching the dancers, like the men, were aroused, and they were like, "Oh, oh this is evil." because they were like topless and dancing and they're like
0: well that's what i was gonna say like it's so f- not funny is obviously not the right word but like like it wasn't supposed to ever be something that was sexualized you no know? never and so it's just of course you know leave it to men to be like uh, oh, i have no self-control so therefore this is evil yeah,
1: we have to ban this because mm-hmm. i will sexualize anything that stands in front of me yeah, literally. <laughs> Which it's really sad too because it was like a thing for men and women. Like, I think traditionally mm-hmm. we look at the hula dancer as like only a female
0: but that it's not yeah. it wasn't
1: yeah it was for everybody like it was for the men and women it was like this traditional sacred dance and like mm-hmm. the fact that the women were topless was just part of the culture it had nothing to do with the dance like,
0: or like it being inherently like a sexual thing no
1: so it's just kind of sad that they immediately were like oh you're dancing like that's evil But at the time in the Kingdom of Hawai'i, like I said, they were converting to Christianity themselves. And it was in 1830, Queen Ka'ahumanu, she was the queen consort and the acting regent of the Kingdom of Hawai'i. She was like Mm. the favorite wife of the king at the time and had like a lot of political power. She actually sounds really interesting. I found like a little bit about her, but she ended up like having all this power that continued to like really make a difference in the kingdom of Hawaii for the reign of the next two successors after her husband, too. Oh, wow! So it's like three successors that she had a ton of political power over. And it ended up like being her word (laughs) that canceled it because she forbade public performances of the hula at that time. Obviously, that was only public. So a lot of people did continue to privately Mm -hmm. hula dance. But I mean, that kind of adds to the whole like weirdness of the whole thing of like banning it by making it like a private thing you have to do in secret. I don't know. But by 1850, public hula was regulated by a system of licensing, which <laughs> I couldn't wow. find more about. But I think you literally had to get a license in order to like publicly perform the hula.
0: That is like, insane. Yes,
1: this is like religious expression, and they're regulating and licensing it and banning uh-huh. it. Like that is insane to me. Luckily, like it didn't last. Forever, the Hawaiian performing arts had a resurgence under the reign of King David Kalakaua, but he started reigning in eighteen seventy four, I believe, and he had this whole resurgence of like traditional arts and really encouraging like the culture of Hawaii to come back to its roots. And then mm-hmm. Princess Lila Ua Kalani, she's the only queen regent of Hawaii and the last sovereign monarch of the Hawaiian kingdom, so the very, oh, wow. very last royal member they ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, she really devoted herself to the old ways, the patron of ancient chants, stressed the importance of reviving the diminishing culture of their ancestors, and kind of going back to like the traditional roots of Hawaii, despite like yeah. foreigners and modernism that was changing their island. So... That really brought it back, and they merged Hawaiian poetry, vocal performance, dance movements, and costumes to create the new form of Hawaiian hula. Like I said, there's five different genres. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the new ones, the hula kua, which means to combine old and new. Oh, And perfect. then they were able to once again perform their indigenous and ritual dances. And then 20th century, obviously the hula is still alive and well, but it's kind of more of a tourist spectacle now, which is a bummer. But they have like a Kodak hula show and then in Hollywood films as well. Apparently it was like a huge thing in vaudeville for a while which is weird, but they would perform the hula in New York and Boston, teaching society figures the dance and touring the country with the Royal Hawaiian Orchestra, which is interesting. Kind of sounds like they turned it into like almost a circus show for a while, and they toured the country with it, which sounds so sacrilegious, but I mean, there was some major fascination with this new dance form. Yeah, But a more traditional hula was maintained in small circles by older practitioners, so They kind of kept the very traditional hula back in Hawaii, but then they had a lot of the more modern forms of the hula out touring the country. There's been a lot of renewed interest in hula since the 1970s with what they call the Hawaiian Renaissance, which sounds super interesting. But also, this has been in response to several Pacific Island sports teams that use their respective native war chants and dances as pregame ritual. And I think that's where, like, the haka, like, we all know what that is and where that yeah. comes from. It actually happened with the University of Hawaii as well. Their football team started doing a war chant and dance using native Hawaiian language that was called mm. the haa'a before games in 2007. And that kind of, like, renewed a lot of attention and, like, oh, what is this? Like, Yeah. More of the traditional aspects. And something that's cool is in 1964, they founded like this hula competition in Hawaii called the Merry Monarch Festival. It Uh attracts visitors from all over the world. It was to honor like that King David who was bringing back traditionalism in Hawaii. And they revived the art of hula. And even though it's seen as a competition, it's also like a major tourist event, obviously. But a lot of famous hula dancers come from that. There's one that I found called Fabian Pamela Aloha Wong Delaire, And she was an American master hula teacher. And she won the first Miss Aloha hula as Aloha Wong in 1971. The same year that the Merry Monarch Festival was established. So, yeah. And it's their, like, top hula honor is being Miss Aloha Hula. Mm. Yeah. So that happens pretty much every year year I think still but obviously the hula has changed dramatically (laughs) since the beginning but I'm glad that it's still around you know like it didn't fade out like a lot of other cultural things do
0: yeah I think it's so sad just that like how much this happens or like outsiders come in right into an environment and like oh this is not something I'm used to seeing so therefore it's sexual therefore it's bad therefore it's it's this and we can't have this when it's like I mean, obviously, it's so sad, like, you know, how long it took for that to come back into I know. Just this rich culture. Like, I mean, just you going over the history of that all. I literally had no idea about any of this. And it's sad
1: because it's like, obviously, even though they tried to keep it alive, like people are practicing privately and everything like mm-hmm. there had to have been stuff that got lost. You oh know? absolutely when it's mm-hmm. banned publicly it's removed from your culture to a certain extent like you're gonna lose part of it for a while yeah. like like it, there's no way yeah maintain all that so there's gonna be parts of it that are lost that you can't ever get back and mm-hmm. that's the worst like that's so sad that's just like a part of culture and history mm-hmm. that are gone we're gonna take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists So I actually found a Hawaiian artist on Instagram. Her name is Emily States, and her username, I'm sure I'm going to butcher, it's Kalula Makai. I'm going to spell it. It's K-A-U-L-U-M-A-I-K-A. Her bio says, designs that tell the true stories of Hawaii. And what's really cool, it looks like she has, she does, like, some patterns that end up on, like, fabric and stuff. She also has, like, all of these blog posts about, like, different techniques of, like, traditional Hawaiian art. Or, Uh like, final words of Prince Kahuo to his people. And, like, different things about, like... Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian history. It just, it's really cool. And the patterns that she creates are stunning. Like, absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a fun account to follow just to, like, learn about Hawaiian culture and then also to, like, appreciate the art of someone who, you know, knows more about it than you do is actually like a part of it Uh and can share it with all of us in like a good so yeah absolutely. I also
0: found a native Hawaiian artist. Their name is well I'm gonna just spell out the username. It's Mm -hmm. underscore L E H U A U A K E A underscore I also should mention, too, that, like, I feel like sometimes we go through their usernames really quickly, but if you ever want to find who we've shouted out, we follow all of them on mm-hmm. our on our Instagram, and so you could always just go to who we're following. Anyways, their bio is Kappa, Pattern Keeper, Hula Dancer, and if you go to their website, they have, like, so much amazing art that they have done on, like, fabrics and... I I mean a lot of it's like looks like it's displayed in museums. It's I know. truly incredible. Like stunning. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like really have the proper words to explain it. But from what I can see, it's a lot of like design How? work on fabrics and things and they're just they're beautiful.
1: They're like hung up on mm-hmm. the wall and
0: they're, they're big. big. Oh my gosh, they're they, big. They had something displayed in the Portland Art Museum and it's amazing these are yeah, they're, stunning they're an incredible artist plus
1: so i love how they also share like pictures of nature and stuff like mixed in with it like yes. it just mm-hmm. it's beautiful
0: yeah i a good account to follow definitely. so definitely so yes if you want to go check them out absolutely would recommend they have art of their own
1: that you can check out man and they're also following the person that i shouted out they follow each other love it
0: All right, now back to the show. Well, for my portion then of what I have found. So... I found I think it's just like a personal essay of just someone who went to the University of Hawaii and it was an article from a couple years ago but I just really like thought that everything they said was so thoughtful and like really honestly just like made me think about I don't know even just like being a responsible vacationer you know what I mean and like I'm not here to say we shouldn't vacation in Hawaii I don't think that's my call to make but it did like make me like think of like oh you know what I think this is something that like you know I've been to Hawaii and I you know maybe it's like something to like be thoughtful of when you are going to new places that have been exploited this much you know and like westernized and for capitalism's sake been turned into something that maybe it actually isn't
1: you know what I mean? No that's such a good point because it's kind of interesting like there's a lot of states whose like economies rely completely on tourism
0: Yeah. uh And I
1: feel like but there's like a bridge that that crosses when like Hawaii doesn't have like a tourist season. Like it's not like, oh, everyone comes in the summer and then they all leave. You know, like it's a year round tourist destination. Like I'm sure there's
0: busier (laughs) seasons of like when people are out of school. But like, yeah, it's theoretically all the time. I'm sure they're overwhelmed with tourists.
1: Yeah. And especially like you mentioned with COVID where there's just too many people going there like yeah there's a difference between Mm -hmm. like stimulating their economy by being a tourist and like overrunning their entire island with tourists (laughs) yeah and even like too i've seen a lot of people
0: even on tiktok like talk about like the influx of like people moving there almost like for the instagram content of being like i live in hawaii yeah and is that really responsible and are you really like You know, how much, what's the word, like reverence, I guess, do you have for Hawaii or how much are you kind of like exploiting it to further your own career? Yeah. Almost, you know? No, that's
1: such a good point.
0: And like I said, I am absolutely not the one who makes that call, but like (laughs) I do think that as someone who is not Hawaiian, it's made me pause and think about, okay, my own vacation and like if I do want, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Hawaii is a magical place. (laughs) I went and I was like, this is healing. Like the ocean. It's, Stunning there, it's absolutely gorgeous. But it's also like I said, it's made me pause and consider. Of you know what, I need to make sure I'm being thoughtful with this yeah. and like listening to people who are natives from there, and like at least being aware. And like I said, I'm not here to shame anyone who has moved no, to Hawaii just, or yeah. it's a has vacation there mind. yearly. Yeah. It's that's not my business. It's that's not my call to make.
1: Well, but even I, if you think like, <laughs> especially like how irritated. As Utahns, we've all been with, like, the influx of people moving here. Moving in. You know, we're like, go away. We don't have enough homes for all of us to live in. Like,
0: what are you doing? Doing here. Well, and I think that's, like, the thing. It's, like, it's literally an island at a certain point. They reach max capacity. Yeah, you reach max capacity. And, like, if everyone's moving there, it's already so expensive to live there. Because you have to
1: import things from you know, across the country, basically. If you're kicking the natives out of their homes in order to make a good Instagram post, like, I'm sorry, you're in the yeah. wrong. Yeah, like, they <laughs> yeah. Have to,
0: like, be thoughtful of. Like, yeah, I don't live there. it's I haven't been raised there. But this article kind of made me consider it. Um mm-hmm. Like, just being more thoughtful. And I just wanted to share some of the things I read. It's called Misperceptions of the, quote, Hula Girl. And it's by Anoa Dolim. Like I said, this is from... University of Hawaii I think just their own university magazine it's just a personal essay that I'm imagining someone just submitted but I really enjoyed all of the points that they made in it and it kind of intertwines with a lot of the history that you brought up with Hula of just like the different ways that like People came in and they viewed hula as something that it wasn't and then how has that changed and then also how has that affected the way that we view Hawaiian culture? Has it kind of made it more of like a caricature? rather than like an actual legitimate cultural thing with like very sacred religious backgrounds you know what I mean to kind of summarize I mean I honestly part of me was like stop copying and pasting every single paragraph (laughs) into my notes but like every single thing I just thought was like so like such a good point but you know it brought up like you said in the early 1900s and in the late 1800s that basically I loved it that previously the monarchy of Hawaii had been overthrown in 1893 by Euro-American businessmen. Hawaii wasn't initially known throughout the world as a tourist destination, but with Hawaii joining the United States, yeah. it like definitely became that. The Hawaii Promotion Committee was created and they were you know, it was created as in a way to essentially just make Hawaii become a potential destination. But something that I thought was interesting is it was like focusing on the fact that Hawaii was like exotic and people coming from, um, I guess, I'm I'm saying America. I know Hawaii is a part of America, but like the, nor- you know, the 50 touching states or the yeah. not 48 40, touching 48. states. Yeah. Alaska? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like there's like a phrase for it, like the land part, but I can't think yeah, of what the that phrase actually is. United States that are all right next to that each other. That are like other. literally united in destination. <laughs> there's a much more like eloquent like term for it. I cannot <laughs> think of it right now. Mainland, I think, like the mainland yeah. of America. Whatever. That sounds right. I apologize, listeners. You know what I mean. But like they were kind of like, The tourists were interested in this exotic, but the idea is they wanted to promote it as a wild paradise. So it's like, oh, you can come and see all the exotic cultures and people and everything, but it's still like a safe, modern American destination. And so it's almost like you can go to Hawaii and get the best of both worlds where it's like you can almost like see the exotic culture from a distance but it's safe because
1: it's still America. It's like a Disneyland Jungle Cruise. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) You'll be safe But Uh it's exotic and different. And it Mm -hmm. talked about (laughs) how like
0: hula and almost like this way of feminizing Hawaii and over sexualizing it like almost was the bridge of that. And of course, I think that the most like, I don't know, the image that's the most affiliated with Hawaii and Hawaiian culture is the hula girl. It's literally like a little car, you know, decoration is the dancing hula girl. I love this quote from it said the hula girl graces the cover of tourist media such as this week magazine which features a different model on every cover she is found on a host of different product labels from chocolate to water bottles each company trying to market their product as quote hawaiian the hula girl is so commonly exploited in tourism that she has become the perceived identity of hawaiian women and hawaii the hula girl image a product of tourism has genderized hawaii and created a stereotypical view of hawaiian identity which is essentially the thesis of this article
1: yeah Um, what's interesting too like i saw a thing that said that it got really really popular after world war ii because of all the american soldiers that were stationed in pearl harbor they ended up bringing home those little like hula girls for your dashboard on your car you know how those Mm -hmm. are like everywhere and then that like made it even bigger interesting yeah Um, so interesting
0: it also talked about how it's almost it created like this hula kitsch, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about kitsch with Margaret Keene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is (laughs) basically just, you know, something that appeals to popular or lowbrow taste and is often poor quality. That's the definition of kitsch. And it's almost like they created this Americanized version of it that, yeah, was a bit kitsch and a bit cheesy like you know like now it's like the typical hawaiian shirts like i I know
1: that's actually kind of sad that Mm -hmm. like hawaiian shirts and like hula girls and like hawaiian cultural Items are just recognized as, like, being a cheesy tourist. Yeah, or, like, a cheesy tourist veneer. But, like, yeah. that's,
0: that's what it's associated with, I think, a lot. This quote I thought was great of, like, hula kitsch became the creation of the businessman, and it was a way to promote, quote, Hawaiian culture without Hawaiians. And the subculture was more American than it was Hawaiian. Yeah. Which, again, just, like, like I was like, oh, shoot. Yes, True. And not only did this like affect the actual dance, it affected like the perception of Hawaii. Something going back, another quote, I'm so sorry, but it's like Hula Kitsch really commercialized their ancient, meaningful practice of Hulu into something cheap and wildly accessible, which actually like he brought up too that like maybe this was actually part of the revival of Hula. So it's like, I don't know. It's like this weird thing. It's like, you hate the tourism but like does it help their economy probably but like also it's watered down their culture in this way so like was it the part of their revival maybe but this thing called like what was the reason of the revival it was the combination of imperialist nostalgia and capitalism and i was like yeah dang so then the hula girl had already been used before the 1900s actually but at the turn of the century the the image of the hula girl really exploded due to the tourism and the promotion the image became the premier symbol of Hawaii hula dancers and musicians became some of the most popular images used for postcards business ads figurines and lamps and then of course like I mentioned the dashboard figurine another really interesting too is like how sexualized and like almost stereotype the body type for these like standard yes. hula girls were like very slim upper body, really wide hips. And like their pry boobs are, you know, very accentuated. Their butt is a lot bigger with really weird, unrealistic body proportions and things like that. They'll wear like the cheap grass skirts with the coconut bras and the coconut bras were never a part of the traditional hula. Um, nope. Just things like that. And so it's like almost like And another thing that it like pointed out, too, is it's like whenever you're seeing the hula done, like you always see almost like the widest version of a Hawaiian that you can find. It's not like you're ever like seeing a typical hula girl that like has Asian background. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or when it's like that's obviously a very wide demographic of Hawaii, like. There are a lot of Asian communities and ethnicities that are on the island, but like that's not what the hula girl is. And then something that I thought was interesting is the luau shows. I haven't been to one, Like I didn't go to one when we were in Hawaii, but the tourist shows have been like a main staple of hula kitsch and continue to be a major tourism draw. This is like an old study, it's like from literally 10 years ago in like 2011. But in 2011, over 7 million visitors traveled to Hawaii, and about 50% of these people. I think over 50% actually attended like a Polynesian show or a luau. And there's this person named, their last name is Desmond. And they talked about this. So the commercial Hawaiian luau both require the... and featured the visible display of bodies perceived as native or Hawaiian by the mainlander viewing audience. The use of, quote, native bodies reassures the visitor that Hawaii is still Hawaiian. And so it talks about how she went to one, and it was very much like the hula kitsch. The luau companies know what tourists expect Hawaiians to be like, so the tourists are given a stereotypical Hawaiian fantasy. One of the main points that she makes about her luau experience is the emphasis on sex and the native body. She talked about how the bus driver on the way to the luau like made offensive jokes about Hawaiian sexuality he also made the passengers like give each other back rubs and before the start of the show everyone was forced to like give a lay to another person and then give that person who must be the opposite sex like a kiss on the cheek following the ceremony visitors were able to take a pictures with one of the male or fam- female quote natives um, and they said that, like, the stage photography is like the way visitors like mark the encounter with the quote, exotic, which I thought was like, I was like, that's Dang. so weird and creepy. But, like, and I think that's like what it is. It's like, I've seen so many people's vacation photos, like, of these luau things. And it's almost like putting it in this context, I'm like, oh, shoot, like, yeah, that is weird, right? Yeah. That I like, never really realized, which is obviously like my own ignorance and my own fault, but it was like, oh, crap, like, this is, like, weirdly problematic, and, like, what's the word, like, like, not infantilized well, I mean, it is infantilizing, but I don't know, I, maybe, I think you maybe know what I mean, but another thing she talked about like there's a lot of like overusing of the words ohana and aloha because like those are the words i think we recognize yeah, as yeah everyone words. knows them yeah and I so it's really almost really like, like forcing like audience members to like say those words and like having that be a big part of the show when in like reality like that's not really a thing um there's also like the audience was encouraged to participate in honi which is a traditional custom of like sharing breath with another person which is supposed to be a very like spiritual and sincere thing but the host kind of used, ho- like, this as, like, a way to continue, like, the sexual context of the show. Oh,
1: that's so um, messed up. Yeah. Like, I just, can you imagine, like, sacred l- religious practices? Like, sharing bread is very common in many religions. mm mm-hmm. um, I just can't imagine, like, that being turned into, like, a sideshow at a tourist attraction where someone crackpot is making sexual jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be so
0: insulting. Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's what he talks about, too. It's like, yeah, like, and like you mentioned, I think Hawaii and Hula is, like, associated with, like, the Hawaiian like hula girl but even the men in this are like very sexualized yeah
1: and it's like the hot polynesian guys yeah exactly yeah.
0: <laughs> and like they're almost like supposed to be like they're really embracing their sensual- sensuality both of them and like it's almost like the appeal is that they're native and they look hawaiian and i don't know and that's why i'm like oh, like it must be realized i'm like that actually is so disgusting yeah. that it's like this sacred backgrounds and that it was been so over sexualized because it's like what like sex sells you know we know that and they totally capitalized on that and just i'm like gross just yeah so that gross. Is gross and this last thing that i love he kind of compared the relationship of hawaiian tourism to that of a prostitute and a pimp because Bold, it's like but yeah i know but i after this article i was like yeah i'm fine with that um I'm going to read this last quote that was at the very end of the article that hula within tourism is without sacredness. It is hypersexualized in a form of packaged entertainment. And then also mentioned again that aloha has been overused to the point where it has lost its meaning. A powerful word that is unique to Hawaiian language has now been regulated to something that is just tossed around freely. And there's this one more quote that thus Hawaii is like a lovely woman is there for the taking just as the pimp regulates prices and guards the commodity of the prostitute. So the state bargains with developers for access to Hawaiian land and culture. And I was like, Oh, like Like, damn mic drop. Yes. And like I said, I'm not here to play the morals police here of if, can we go to Hawaii? But I do think just in anywhere you go around the world that it's good to be aware of, the culture and like aware of maybe how it's been exploited so that you're not adding to the problem you know and that when you are putting and visiting another culture that like you're doing so like you know with respect yes
1: like I think it's
0: (laughs) totally good to travel the world and like see and experience things that are just outside of your own everyday worldview like obviously that's very beneficial for a human I think to see those things but I think that if you're like looking at it in a way of obviously looking down on it is obviously a bad thing. But like maybe there's ways that you are maybe doing that when you go to these destinations without even realizing that you are, you
1: know? And yeah. So, no, it kind of reminds me of like, so we live in Utah, right? Well, at mm-hmm. least you don't anymore
0: <laughs> when this oh, comes yeah, out. Dang. I
1: don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're from Utah mm-hmm. and there's national parks everywhere here. I think we're one of the states that has the most besides Alaska. We've got five. And one really common thing with national parks is, like, leave no trace, right? Like, camping culture and everything. Like, be responsible. Like, take with you what you took in, you know? Like, make sure that you're not hurting the environment that you're participating in. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, maybe that should just be a bigger part of all tourism. (laughs) Yeah. just like you know like go in appreciate it be one with nature or whatever you know but then like make sure that you're not harming the environment that you're in That you're not like causing more problems when you leave mm. than you know like you're not the issue <laughs> yeah and that it goes so much like and
0: not obviously with just like making sure that you know you pick up trash which is like obviously good for the environment i'm not yeah, saying it's that's less than but like Like, also, the people and the Mm -hmm. culture is also such a major part of that. And it, like, does make a difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is what I learned about. And like I said, it really just caused me to pause. And, like, I think it's good for all of us to be mindful with, you know... Not make like I said. I I've said it so many times. I don't need to keep saying it. But <laughs> I learned a lot from that article, and I I think it was it's a very very valuable thing to at least consider in Definitely. your own life.
1: Yeah. No, we'll link it for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think it's such a beautiful like artistic history of the Hawaiian yeah. Islands, and specifically like the hula dance. Like how beautiful and wonderful like of an art form that is so it's I know cool to learn about stuff like this and to learn how we can be better people of the world yeah. <laughs> like better Just, observers of like culture and everything rather and, than, like more respectful and yeah
0: good intentioned and more mindful I guess that's not being more mindful about our choices and how they could affect the world around us, that's that's never going to hurt anybody. Of course not.
1: <laughs> only, <laughs> benefits, <laughs> only benefits. Only benefits. Benefits is all. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for sharing that. We'll for sure link the article and we'll have more stuff on our Instagram this week. And just mm-hmm. feel free to leave a rating and review, send this episode to a friend, yeah. maybe send it to someone you know who's planning a trip to Hawaii. Be <laughs> as passive aggressive <laughs> as you want, and I'm saying this as someone who has vacationed in Hawaii, so I'm not being putting myself on a pedestal here. No, and I'm definitely know. keeping it in mind for whenever I can actually afford to go anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah, I, was saying, I mean, I haven't. You know, I personally haven't been on
0: a good proper vacation in a second. So uh. yeah, it's <laughs> been a while. Cool. <sighs> anyways well thank you everyone for listening we will be back next week i'll be recording from nashville tennessee that's so for the next fun. episode so that's cool
1: you're making me want to move just for fun i like, mean <laughs> you can come to tennessee <laughs> yeah, like, new content i'm moving <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I'm boy. well thanks everyone for listening bye bye